Welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy or game design. I'm Trevor Scott, and with me, as always, is Ben Slinger. Yes, I am. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Trevor, I think we're going to Greenland. That's right. Well, I'm going to Pearl Harbor. What are we talking about? We're talking about- What three words? What3words.com. This is where we now get our random prompts from since our other random word generator- I haven't even checked it today. That's how much working. I don't believe that it's actually working. Yep. So, what we do on this show is we take random words and we turn them into game designs. We will uh, use them as inspiration, discuss the designs, come up with something funny or interesting or fun, see what happens. And then when we're done with it, we'll do another one mm-hmm. for about an hour. So, join us. Yes. Well, we'll go for a little bit longer and then we cut it down and it ends up about an hour. Yeah, we cut out the shit ones. So, let's do it. Tornado crackles gels. Tornado crackles gels. Yes. So, when when you said crackles, I thought of rice bubbles. Uh, I'm not sure how that goes with the other ones. Um, Well, I'm just thinking of all the different things that you you throw into a tornado. Mm. Ooh, ooh. Okay. You know how, like- a tornado itself, like, if you just saw wind moving around- Yeah. It- It'd be invisible. It'd be invisible. So, you've got to add things into the tornadoes to- f- to To actually be able to find them and be able to detect them. Because it turns out that in this- in this world, until you actually add some substance to it, like, tornadoes are literally the silent killers. Well, I like that as a general thing of a- a physics-based or particle physics-based system where, yes, you're, like, throwing stuff or spraying stuff into wind streams to- And that's the only way you can know where they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yes, obviously, that can include tornadoes, but it might also just be, you know, wind currents between buildings or other, other sorts of things there as well, the different eddies and different little- different. Currents. I'm picturing. I'm picturing that you've got like an air conditioning duct, and you throw some some stuff up into it, and you want to find out where where that current's actually exiting out of the room, because then mm. you know that's where there's a secret door, and we can get out through there. Yeah. So I think a, a game where a lot of the mechanics are around following or finding or discovering the way wind is moving or air is moving by the things it moves. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, initially it might just be like, oh, I I found a, bu- a bucket of ping pong balls, so uh, I can get through this area safely by throwing them in strategic spots and seeing, oh, that there's a huge current going in that particular direction. Maybe this is, yeah, maybe this is some sort of world where, for whatever reason, like, the wind spirits have become hostile um, or something like that. Um Okay, I'm picturing VR because I just want to be able to reach down into a bag and, like, throw, like, a handful of stuff up into the air. That's definitely a cool uh, movement, yeah, for VR. I can go with that. Ooh, I'm just imagining that you sort of- you pull out, like, a gel and you crush it in your hand and then throw it up and it's, like, it's, it's, you know, created, like, a- a um, like a cloud you know, of- Fine powder sort of thing. That yeah. I think you, you don't have- get those until later in the game, though. Like, I feel like when you start off, you have to use things that are a bit more primitive and maybe aren't going to show you, you know, as, as thorough or as, as clear a picture of those uh, wind wind currents. Yeah. At first, you, you go over to the table where there's, like, a lot of dust and you've got to sort of collate it into a pile, pick up the thing of dust and throw it up into the air. Well, and again, I'm- 
Yeah, I'm also just thinking like individual objects and that sort of thing. Like you throw, you throw, <laughs> you throw a trophy in the air, and it just <laughs> yeah. Well, then that's launches, it. Like, and you go, why couldn't I just put my finger up and feel where the air current was? <laughs> no, because these air currents are so strong that they'll like tear your finger off. So you're literally having to avoid. <laughs> you're literally having to like avoid. Um- <laughs> Sorry, I just had an image of in VR you like shoving your hand into the air current. No, and I was picturing it that like as soon as you- as soon as your hand hits one of these air currents, it just goes ragdoll um, and doesn't follow like your tracker anymore, <laughs> and so it's just like just flapping in the wind. Uh, it's like okay, well that wind's going that way. Um, but no, I think, yeah, I think this is some sort of, we set up some sort of conceit why there are these super strong wind currents that are dangerous, right? That you literally can't fight against. And so, yeah, it it does come down to having to avoid them, having to get through an area, uh, and maybe you've got ways to like redirect them or move them or whatever by, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Are they invisible creatures constantly blowing out things or is it actually like wind that- for whatever reason, comes through gaps and makes its way through. I don't know. Or is it actually one of these things where you don't actually realise, but it is literally a vacuum that is being, you know, it's sucking yeah. these things out. Like It could be that too, yeah. So, it's, it's not actually something blowing, it's something that's sucking it towards it, and you've been moving towards it the entire time. So, now you've got to sort of grab onto something until you can dislodge <laughs> a panel. I do like that in VR of having to grab onto something to avoid being pulled away, especially yep. once they start getting stronger down the line and you're literally, like, going horizontal. <laughs> well, why look- couldn't you make it horizontal straight away? Like, it's effectively in the thing. You, it's just down. Like, you kind of- con- Oh, that could be- down. That could be disconcerting. I was more thinking of kind of the way, like, something like Lone Echo does it, where you can kind of see your body, like, floating behind you as you- move in certain directions the way that that works. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Um, work. Either way, I, d- I just love the idea of, I mean, VR and playing around with um, things in space and, you know- Well, particularly with a really stuff. good, like, smoke powder sim. Like, you could do it okay, but you probably couldn't do it, like, in a, in a really intense way on current uh, current hardware. But I'm sort of thinking a couple generations down the line of- of full-on smoke particle simulators, simulations where, yeah, you can throw that up and you get the really nice little, like, smoky eddies and little vortices and things going through. Um, oh, yeah. That'd be cool. All right. Localised noise that just sort of occurs only in one part of it. and Well, and again, like, imagine being able to- th- If there are invisible objects as well that you can find by throwing dust into- the the wind stream and seeing how it essentially like bends around that object like I'm picturing you know those like wi- um airflow diagrams around a wing or something. Um, one of my favorite things to do is say when I when I'm actually in the shower and I look up at the heater globe that we've got, you can see like the steam in the air and you just sort of you blow out and you see all the all yeah exactly the noise patterns and all that sort of stuff in it <laughs> yeah. Just looks amazing. Imagine if you could get that into VR, how cool that would actually be. Yeah, it detects when you blow with the microphone and- <laughs> Why not? Yeah. It detects when you wave your arm, because if you wave your arm a little bit- then Oh, you God. Can- yeah, you're literally full-on simulating just air pressure constantly around you at all yeah. times. Love it. 100%. I mean, that, right. that's, how, that's how, like, this simulation works, isn't it? 
So the simulation, simulation we live in. The simulation that we live in. Yeah. Yeah. So why can't that be in VR? And then that, that just becomes, that really becomes virtual reality. Yeah. I mean, we all know that we're already- We at live least, in a virtual reality and least- we want to use virtual reality within our virtual reality. Yeah, we're at least two simulations deep at this point. So, I mean, no I, reason- I want to go deeper. Yeah, no reason we can't- I, You know, I, I, want, I want that time dilation <laughs> to really to really happen. So, I oh, live Inception longer rules. down there. It's Inception mm-hmm. rules. And then when I came back up, I live a little bit longer here. And then I, I go back up again. I live or is it, uh, what is it, Roy, the game? Uh, is that the game they play in uh, Rick and Morty? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, bit, a bit like that. Go hey, in ben. there, play an entire life. Mm-hmm. Yes, Trevor. Ben. What? what three words? No, I want to keep going and talking about Rick and Morty. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, waterfall pioneered bunks. So I went to some sort of like settlement behind a waterfall. Uh, okay. Yep. With with pioneer, so like maybe exploring a new planet or area yeah, of the like planet. I, I like that. Ooh, maybe maybe the rain on this on this planet is like fully acidic. So we can't actually be out in it and we found this cave sort of behind a waterfall and mm. we realized that the only way forward is to go deeper. Wait, so the waterfall itself is acidic like all the water on this or is it just that it's more the rain itself um so it's been diluted at least by the It's point. been diluted in in the but like the waterfall's like- fine but to actually go further and to explore this planet further you need to go deeper into the caves. But the only fresh water is the oh, is the waterfall. Okay, is the gotcha. waterfall. So, you're sort of coming back to that. Mm, all right. I mean, my mind goes to a, um, like, an oxygen not included kind of, um, or a don't starve sort of survival-ish building game mm-hmm. where you're, yeah, you're, like, digging out these caves or building stuff in these caves and having to utilise that water that you can only get from that one spot and figure out your systems of, of making sure that as you go deeper, you've still got access to water, um, whether that's by building pipe systems or containers or different things. I like the idea of, of actually- you have to actually sort of carve the channel. So you're carving the channel oh, into yeah. each into each room. Yeah. And then you need a separate waste disposal channel that you you know, the poop channel that you that you're <laughs> carving poop out. Channel. Yeah. You want to keep them separated because you don't want that poop channel and the water channel sort of mixing. Until you do. They're special you know, like once you get to the sort of higher levels in the tech tree, uh, there are techniques where you do want those to mix. Uh, because well, you need helps, some slightly helps, diluted. It, it helps getting it further down the down the um down the channel because it sort of gets all. <laughs> I do like the idea. I do like the idea of Yuck. <laughs> of maybe VR again, just because for how this would work, where it is around liquid systems in that way, but you've got this deformable cave world essentially, where you mm-hmm. are able to like yeah dig out. Uh, channels and, and, and eventually maybe like, I mean, maybe down the line you get like pipes and different things that you can yeah. embed. So you into can the pressurize and, and do all that sort of stuff and you can get it uphill as well as downhill. Yeah. Um, so I used to work for Yarra Valley Water and I dealt with like maps and different things of like we had the, we had the Melbourne water maps of showing where all the, all the main water pipes were and then mm-hmm. each, the way it works in each, 
each um, street is is actually amazing. So you, you never exactly, really thought about this. You knew exactly how to poison the populace, and that's why everyone got sick. And you, you're the one who spread COVID. Oh shit! I wasn't shit. supposed to that that put that on air. Sorry, cut, Trev. Just remember, cut, 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 cut that cut, last cut, bit. Cut. Um, yeah. So it turns out that like obviously water is highly pressurized. Yeah. But it's very rare to pressurize the waste. Right. Normally, you just let that flow downhill. Yep. And you pressurize as, as, as the least amount po- possible, uh, because pressurizing waste costs a lot more to do than than um, pressurizing water. Well, it probably gets a lot messier in, when you get a leak or a uh, you know a pipe breakage or anything like that. Exactly. So yeah. they 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 don't really want to do that. So the way that waste actually works is totally different to yeah. how like water pipes work. So you could just imagine then like so having we- to actually. Sorry, uh, uh- are we implying then that in this game you've got a poop meter and you need to defecate? No, more, it's it's more around you've got you've got clean water and waste water. Okay, you're that's not basically- talking about having to drop turds into a channel and watch it fly no. away. That's got you got to put that in as an Easter egg though, with the nice water physics, have it bobbing along. <laughs> oh yuck! Um, I, what I'm thinking more about is the fact of having to actually worry about. How each of the each of the rooms along the way they need fresh water in, yeah. and then you can you know do some do some sort of plumbing. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're essentially creating all these like mini aqueducts through your cave system, and then potentially like oh well, we're going to dam it up here um, and and make sure that this because this room needs a certain supply of water at all times more than the flow rate coming in essentially. Yeah. And so, but I th- I think what what it comes down to is that the waterfall can only supply so many people. So as your group grows, you may yes. need to find another water source. Yeah. And that may be that you go for rain catching, but you use, you well, know, certain things to clean out the to acid. To purify and- it. Yeah. Well, I think by then you've, yeah, you're, you're far enough down your tech tree that now you can build, yeah, like um, things that catch the water, pipe it down, run it through purification things. Again, now you've got essentially like- pure acid that you have to dispose of somehow. Exactly. Kind of, so you- kind of like in your in your um in your satisfactory like builds yeah. where you've got, you know, waste products later on in the in in the way that you need to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Well, you start off with a waste product, which is literally human waste. And then, well, it's it's or um pioneer waste. Um Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna get specific on on species here. No. Who it's knows pioneer what? waste. Um and then you got, you know, You've got water and clean water that you do need to deal with. And I'm thinking it's it's all about your Sims kind of thing of building at your base, but it's also you're having to look after all these other people. You're not just dealing with yourself. It's a survival game for for a team. That basically you've, yes. you've got a AI whole- AI controlled. A whole- yeah, AI yeah. controlled. You've got a a colony that you that you. Well, because yes, definitely. Um, and, and I think again, like first person or VR, um, will be fun here. Uh, which I'm is thinking interesting. The I'm thinking the destruction physics of like your um deep rock galactic sort of thing that you can you know use your pickaxe to. Oh yeah, well I'm, I was thinking even in- even somewhat more more subtle that like more um. Uh, precise, more precise. No, I was thinking more precise than that. Where you kind of, you almost are initially like scooping out these channels. Like you're able to kind of, 
whether it's just you've got some sort of drilling device. Oh yeah, or I'm whatever. talking about for, for building the rooms on the side of these caves. Oh yeah, that yeah you're yeah. sort of doing that, and then you can just lay down. I want, I want, you know, a channel here, so you can sort of like start start where the channel's going and yeah. to where it's gone. Um, you know, how far down the road it needs to actually go. Yeah. Well, I think especially, I mean, eventually you get to the point where you can build them that, that like straight and efficiently. But I think initially you literally just like, you've got your little, your little rock scooper or something and you're having to manually pull like, like your melon baller and just. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Um, but, but then, yeah, you've got your other pioneers, um, wandering around AI controlled and they're, clones or something they they don't quite have the intelligence you have uh and the reason i say that is if you don't provide them with enough places to defecate like if it fills up you'll you'll find out when you notice the your like clean water supply has just like changed color um and gummed up all your pipes and you and, have to and the go crazy thing and- is it's only the people after number 23 after clone 23 after well, after number 23. So, all, all the top is fine because water just flows in one direction. So, it's, you, you find out, oh, look, it's overflowing, obviously, oh, at number 23. I see what you're saying. Yes. And yeah, so, everyone from then on is sick with diphtheria or whatever. Yeah, that's it. You have to, you, you need to pinpoint the source of the contamination by, yeah, you can, you can go back up through your, through your whole, um, water systems there and, and figure out where, yeah, where it's clean up to. And yeah. That, that, I yeah. mean, that's a fun mechanic to, to have to do that. And yeah. And, and I actually, I quite like the, yeah, I mean, you get to a certain point and you see the turd floating and it's sort of like, ah, and then you yeah, need gloves on and you need to actually, you know, reach in. And well, put- I think you give them like a vacuum device of some sort okay. that they can then like expel it into the purification device. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. No, I quite like the idea of a first person base builder like that. I feel like like forcing them into first person in that way uh, is a bit of a different challenge. City planning whole- is a lot harder because you don't, you can't quite see, you know, how far did you dig? Oh, you digged into Mrs. O- O'Hanlon. Oh, o- yeah, absolutely. Hanlon's I think, again, flat. like, again, further down the tech tree, I think oh, you straight get- into a shower. Oh, you didn't want to see that. I think further down the tech tree, yeah, you get like um, again devices for uh, what would you call it? Um, de- I don't know. I've lost the word, but like detection devices where you can see, oh, where's where's the closest cavity on the other side of this wall, essentially, or is there a cavity within you know three meters of this wall, so you can know where to build to. But yes, when effectively you're- like your stud finder sort of thing. Yeah, you sort can, of. Yeah. You can pull out a thing and sort of put it on the wall and go, oh. There's there's a or, yeah, blank or space behind a, here in three meters. So or like a visualization on a, on a screen, right? Where it's essentially doing some sort of like echo, depth analysis, like yeah. depth analysis of oh, there's a cavity, you know, this far behind. But yes, in your early days, you're very likely to to break into the lodgings of your other pioneers. Mm-hmm. You can't really fix it uh, until you, again you you develop. You know. Unless you fill those cavities, no, you can't mm. fix it. No, and that brings us to the real villain of the piece, uh, the, the dentists. dentists. Yeah. yeah. Um, it turns out that they've been putting these cavities in in these rocks. They weren't. And these they rocks, weren't. The happy. crazy thing is, these rocks are literally like teeth of a huge, humongous, gigantic. That's the thing. end game. That's the end game. You find out that this world you've been living on, uh, the reason that the rain is so acidic is it's um, saliva, stomach acid. It's saliva and stomach acid, and yeah, you've been inside this creature's mouth this entire time. Yes. Uh, yeah. Cool. Hey, Trev, what three words you got?
tried taster ladybug. I tried to taste a ladybug. Weren't good. Uh, okay, try and taste a ladybug. Is this some sort of a uh, cooking game with whimsical sort of ingredients, right? Okay. So, in a fantastical world where insects and all this sort of stuff, it, they're so abundant that they've become the new the new food source. Mm. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of picturing having to like go out with your little insect catcher to get your ingredients, come back and cook with them. Uh, maybe you run like a cafe mm-hmm. in this in this in this whimsical, otherworldly sort of place. Yep, I'm seeing that ladybugs are, are almost the most revered. Sort of, they're like the king of the insect kingdom that, you know, you always want to- If you can find a ladybug, then you know that, you know- They're a delicacy, right? They're like, a delicacy. Like, yeah. you put those in there and they, they're kind of like pop rocks that they just explode in your mouth with flavour. Totally. Uh, yeah, you know you're gonna- you can, you can charge a lot extra, a lot more if you've got a ladybug in there. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you just you crunch down- <laughs> Once you crunch, you can't stop sort of thing, like- once you crunch, you'll always munch. Uh, okay, is this the entire game, or is this more like a backdrop for a larger story? Backdrop for a larger story. I, I kind of- um, I've been watching a few playthroughs of Bug Snacks lately, and I like that idea of, of that, that sort of, like, sinister thing happening in the background. Okay, okay. Um, I've been interested in Bug Snacks. I haven't picked it up yet. Neither have I. <clears throat> but I've been watching a couple of playthroughs, not all the way through, just- Getting the idea of the of the game, you get the idea that there's something going on in the background. Mm. And I can't wait to actually get it, so I've kind of stopped now. But I like the idea of of you know just something slightly otherworldly going on with within this world. These bugs can be bigger, like ladybugs can be kind of you know. Well, maybe it is that you start finding larger and larger bugs or something. Like the bugs start changing. Like initially, they're sort of fairly standard i mean i think you know just for the scale of the game they probably have to be yeah. larger than actual ladybugs because you wouldn't actually be able to see them they'd be like a pixel high yeah um oh look look at that red pixel that that's <laughs> such a cute ladybug bring it right up to the eye oh yeah oh yeah now it's two pixels uh but yeah they start like you start catching larger ones or different species or something and until eventually, like with the with the goal being that you find out, oh, they're sentient and you've been eating them, and now they're actually at war with you, and have mm-hmm. been for some time. You just hadn't noticed, <laughs> yeah, because um, they were tiny. It's when they send like the huntsmen in, and and you know they're they're literally going out and literally hunting men. Um, yep. it's kind of scary. Because once yeah. once the like, once the ladybugs got to sort of dog sized, well those those huntsmen they were they I were ju- kind of oh like- my god I just had an image of like a knock at the door and then those huntsman legs like coming around the door frame of the door and you know anyone in Australia knows what I'm talking about if you just see yeah. like four huntsman spider legs coming over the edge of something but like human sized. Coming around the door frame. Yeah. Yeah. But then I'm just imagining that you uh, open the door and it's got like a hat on and it's like, oh, what's going on here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think they're a bit darker. I think they're like the broody, like, warriors, right? Because they are the huntsmen. But I'm thinking they're almost like these, yeah, these broody, dark-eyed, 
hat, they do have a hat still, but it's more like a like an um, what's that? Oh, we had what's the the cock hat? <laughs> Isn't it called? Do you know what I mean? King Graham. We we looked oh, it up yeah, in a yeah. previous episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got the feather and the cap and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Buy cocket. It's a buy cocket, and you yes. had a cock in it somewhere. <laughs> anyway, I just derailed the whole thing, but. Um, yes, the huntsman wears a bicocket hat. <laughs> <laughs> all of that for, for like, oh, all of that for a word with cock in it. I mean, it's not even that funny. All right. Are we moving on? Um, did I, did well, I kill it? Well, no. Um, you haven't killed it. No, no. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So what, what is the end goal? What do these insects actually want from the humans? I mean, you can maybe go either way. Like, they either want a truce where they're like, stop fucking eating, killing and eating us. And stop fucking the world. Or they want uh, genocide. I mean, they're There's fighting There's a hell back- of a lot more of them. They're fighting back for their survival, right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think it could go pretty dark. Uh, I do like the idea of it. And, you know, we play with this sort of juxtaposition a lot, but starting off as this whimsical whimsical thing where you're hunting these bugs and serving up smoothies and other manner of, of eateries to yep. whimsical, uh, interesting people as they come in. And then, yeah, like the bugs start getting bigger and you start getting visits from the huntsmen and eventually it's all out war. Yep. You know that when the Black Widows turn up that you, the, the Avengers can't be too far behind. Yeah. Yeah, well, you've got your- Spider-Man. Yeah, well, you're Spider-Man. <laughs> I, I can't think of any insect puns for the other Avengers. It's- Ant-Man. <laughs> I mean, Ant-Man. <laughs> there are a couple of, of insect-based ones already, but- <laughs> oh, Come on, dude, I've come, I've come up with like three. Those are uh, Four of them. They were just insect-related things that are already insect-related. I wanted a good, you know. You were thinking Captain America and Scarlet Witch. and Yeah. It was like Captain Bug America. That's not the one. But, like, you know what I mean. Anyway. My pun gland. The Incredible Hulk, but he's a dung beetle. Yeah. Because he can really, like, get angry and green. His shits are huge. Three um, click. <laughs> heist. Clowns. Sweetness. Clowns heisting a sugar factory. Yeah. What are they trying to do? Are they trying to put real sugar back in it? Because this is an artificial sweetener sort of factory. Back into the- sh- Like, into the factory. So, that yeah, the, the, the whole idea of the heist is to stop all the artificial sweetness and bring back good old fashioned- I mean, that just leads us to dentists again. Ah, you, you, no, no. Stole my, you stole my <laughs> ending for the game. <laughs> no, where are, what I was thinking, because heist and clowns already, like, the whole thing with clown, you know, clown masks during a heist is is kind of cliched. But I kind of like the idea of clowns, of, of a heist team that does dress as clowns, but they don't, but they do it in a sweet way. Um, so, maybe they, like, <laughs> this is- they come in with, like, the balloon Tommy gun. <laughs> And they spray water. No, I was, I guess I was thinking like that it's more of they create distractions with their clowning while the heist is well, going on or actually, something. Well, actually, 
this this could be quite interesting. Clowns, when they're at work, they wear a mask. Mm-hmm. So when they go heisting, they oh. wear no makeup and they heist as normal people because people can't see them because they're always in makeup. It's the whole Bruce Wayne is the mask thing. Yes, and Batman's exactly. the real person. Okay. I mean, there is a sort of thing around clowns of taking their persona that seriously. Yeah. So, then when so, they're heisting, they're, they're very much, like, very neutral. Yeah. But then, like, occasionally, if so, if they get angry, then they, you know, kind they, of- They give go, away some of their- and, Yeah, they've know, got- Bingo Boingo has his has his uh, signature signature giggle. Water seltzer, you know, yeah, water flower the, the and all cop, that sort of stuff. The cops are like the way that he's holding that gun. Hmm, he's holding it like a seltzer bottle. It is a seltzer bottle. Quick, get him! <laughs> get him! That scarf is is an ending. That's not that's <laughs> not one handkerchief. It's thirty seven in a row. Um, if you didn't say it, I would have. Um, no, I like that idea of the the because now because now I'm just picturing the serious planning scenes where they're all in their makeup because they're yes they're themselves yes and, and then like the montage of them getting ready and like solemnly Ooh. taking do off th- all their makeup or do they put on makeup and it's like they they look like normal humans because they're putting on makeup Over when they their when they other makeup well it turns out that they're whenever they you know wipe off the makeup that's just their face like they look like clowns because oh they've got crusty the clown disease yeah exactly yeah yeah, uh, that could be an interesting twist. Yeah, they're, I feel like they're clowns from outer space, and they they dress up as like- heist clowns from outer space. Yeah, yes. Okay, I could get behind that kind of cheesy, lean into the cheesiness of it. Yeah, they're clown looking aliens putting yep. on human makeup, mm-hmm. and that's why you know it's very easy for them to slip back into like their clown personas because they literally are clowns. So, are there, like, mini games of clowning that you have to do in between and you have to do them well enough to not be suspicious or something? Um, no, I think what it is is as you get hurt, your health meter is how clowny you're going. Like, and you you need to sort of, like, be able to, you know, <laughs> Oh, God, I'm yourself. 70% clown. I need to find a makeup packet. You're like, that's your health. <laughs> is, is, make, is, like, uh, concealer and, I don't know. Foundation, other things. All right, I think- <laughs> Give me give me some words, Trevor. <laughs> Slinging reputable florists. Slinging <laughs> reputable florists. All right. I, I think this is an action-based bouquet-making game. Oh, okay. Picture this. It's Valentine's Day Eve, and you've realised that you've overslept, and you now need to get, like, all these bouquets done, and they're all individualised. So, it's all about- you're in a co-op game, sort of like- uh, Yeah. You're trying to do things, and it's like, oh, I, I need some of the pansies over there. And so, your other friend has to pick them up and throw them over to you, and you've got to catch them and put them down there. But they're also going, well, I need some of the lavender. And so, you have to throw it over. Yeah, so, kind of an overcooked style setup, but- Are you thinking VR? I feel like throwing- VR, yeah. Yeah, throwing flowers and stuff. Um yeah, I like that. Do you have so how do you how do you then mix it up? Because I obviously starting with just like you're on one side, they're on the other side, and you've each got access to certain flowers that you need to like mix and match. Um, what else do you bring in there? Do you bring in you have to like start swatting away bees and stuff if you're using certain flowers? So like put those in later. Uh, 
like the order that you create yep. the bouquet matters. Um, oh, it's a random chance whether you happen to be a person who's allergic to some, or you get really, really bad hay fever, so you got to occasionally go wash out your eyes and all this sort of stuff. So you've yeah, you've got kind well, of like you your can hay just fever make that meter. A general, like I mean, someone working with that much pollen, you know, might 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 get sinus issues in general. So yes, yeah, having to like go to the the sinus flushing station, uh, get your little <laughs> neti pot. You have to physically use the neti pot and pour it up one nostril. Uh, it's oh, a custom peripheral. It's just, <laughs> and it's an actual, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> neti it's pot, a- and it comes, it comes with, like, a little pan that you can put underneath, and it's like, yep, just do it's that. Really, and- it's really hard in VR to see where that water's actually going, but uh, we do- There are sensors in that neti pot peripheral. Yep. It's a big part and, of the gameplay. And, but not the pan. So, you've just got to know where the pan is and sort of get that in the right position. But at least the neti pot, yeah. you know. we can. It detects the flow through and how much mucus is on the end of it. So, you, you know, you can't just pour it out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we've thrown a custom peripheral in there. Uh, okay. There's custom peripherals. That one was one of mine. And then do you have the customers coming? Like, do you have to, like- is it sort of that that kind of restaurant sort of style thing where it's like- I'm not sure whether you've got customers. I think maybe you've got like Uber like drivers. Delivery people, yeah. Delivery drivers sort of thing that, you know, X number of bouquets need to be ready for when this delivery person turns up. Well, and maybe it's around like the areas that they get, like the direction they're going in or something. Like you won't, obviously won't make the, make the people, <clears throat> make the players memorize the, the map, but you can- you know that, like, oh, this one's going to the northeast, this one's going to the north, and that sort of thing. And then the driver's like, I'm heading north, northeast, or whatever. It's like, oh, here, take these ones, because that's going to be the most efficient um, way. And, and if you give them too many other ones, then then they just take longer before they come back, and you can't get the rest of them delivered in time. Yeah. That's cool. It is cool. All right. But I don't know that there's much else there. So, um, flying fantasy defective. So fantasy flying that's that's like defective. Well, or someone having a flying fan like I'm sort of picturing someone who dreams that they're flying. Like is this around a dream world in some way? But at certain points it's just like, oh shit, no, I'm falling. <laughs> it's not working anymore. Get back into the dream. Um no, it could be around like in a fantasy world, uh the flying machines that would come out of that. Uh, you know, weird dirigibles and you know, helicopter type gyroscopy devices and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it depends on what you're using them for. I mean, I don't know why, but my my brain keeps on going to something like an Angry Birds esque sort of thing, where like the birds in that game literally have no flight anymore. That's why you mm-hmm. need the slingshot to to fire them. I kind of like the idea that flight is so early in its um. Uh, development here that, yep. like, the scientists literally can't get it right. I do like the idea, then, of in a kind of Angry Birds slash, like, bridge constructor sort of way where you you have these pieces that you can use to put together these flying machines in a variety <laughs> of different, you know, in endless combinations. Mm-hmm. And then- But then, yeah, the goal every sort of level is to- knock something down or break something or get it through the hole at the other end or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. or get it to travel far enough or something. And so it's really the challenge of putting these, yeah, like rubber band based engines onto propellers to 
and also making the structure strong enough but light enough and that sort of thing and, and, and simulating the actual forces because then you get the fun of watching them hit the ground and break break into pieces. That's kind of cool. Well, tell me what you got, Trevor. Opposites. Domestic. Ramparts. <laughs> okay. So, because of ramparts, I'm seeing castle. Yes. I'm, so, I'm is picturing- this a king and queen? Well, I went just, I mean, I guess that's where domestic, like, I definitely thought of neighbors in a suburb having some sort of like dispute between them and, and literally like building up castle walls and ramparts and different things. Um, some sort of suburban war between them. What was your first? What was the other word? Opposites. Opposites. Yeah. I guess I was picturing like over a fence or something. Opposite sides of a fence. Um, Right, tell me. Okay. Did you have my, something else in mind, though? My idea was set within a kingdom. Okay. Um, like, you've- Ramparts, I just took castle. I don't care yeah. too much about that word. Maybe it's it's on the outskirts of this castle. Mm-hmm. In, like, another land, we don't have to go with, like, um, you know, medieval or fancy, anything, or traditional yeah. and that sort of stuff. I just like the idea of this, of this massive kingdom, and outside, like, you've got the moat, and then outside you've got, like, this- um, these two towns on either side of the castle. Okay. And I'm kind of almost seeing that that's where you could have, like, a a sort of Romeo and Juliet sort of thing happening. One member from one, one town, one member from another town. They fall in love and they know that it's forbidden love sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's where the opposites sort of get in and there's basically, like, all these battles that are going on between the two, between the two towns. I do like the idea of- of like a love story with the backdrop of these battles going on. Yeah. Um since we're going into a different world anyway, should we exaggerate the differences? Like are they different is one like an orc and one is a elf or something? Human. <laughs> Screw Your humans. Sound there's enough works perfectly. There's enough there's enough <laughs> stories about humans. Let's give some of the other fantasy races a try uh, a turn. Um <laughs> there are no humans in this story. Let's go as far as that. There are no okay. humans. What race is the king and what race is the queen? Uh, I kind of see and just my to be clear st- we're talking fantasy races. <laughs> yes. I'm kind of thinking this is high elf. So that they they're kind of all high and mighty and they live forever and you mm-hmm. know basically <laughs> I'm picturing that you know their children are literally twenty years younger than them, but their children are two hundred and thirty years old. So it's like they're they're yeah. getting to the point where it's just like, oh come on, just by the time that you're dead, I'm gonna be dead in twenty years. Like this just doesn't make sense. <laughs> well wait, are the other are the Starcross lovers royalty? Or are you? Or are we talking? I'm just thinking. I'm thinking. This is this is the kingdom. You know, this is the, got the king and queen, and they're they're each of the towns are loyal to maybe they're loyal to the king and one's loyal to the queen, sort of thing. And that's where it starts off. Well, that's what I was wondering because I was then I was thinking, okay, is this like a mixed race marriage? Right? Like maybe the king is the high elf and the queen is a drow elf married. Uh, well, I think going further than that, I think giant married like a like a. Yeah, a giant or a, or like a dragonborn sort of thing, like almost a, almost where you get to the point of can they even procreate? But they did, <laughs> uh, and and or it could even be a situation where like 
because of Oh, I'm now I'm like now getting one the of, idea. One of the one of the two didn't actually have the longevity of the other, right? So yeah, the that's children. What, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that like the king being being an elf, like he's got hundreds of years, you know, almost imm- immortal. Yeah, this is his fifth wife. Yeah, yeah. Like, and each time, you know, it's he's just he's got a thing for giants. Well, or. You said it after, like, because I liked the idea of the of the children being old as well. Like, they inherited the longevity from their father, but also they are half giant or half dragonborn, depending on which wife they yeah <laughs> they were born to. So you've got kind of all these mixed race children gallivanting about, waiting for their dad to die, so one of them can take over the the kingdom. But again, th- this is all just the backdrop setting then to. Com- to commoners from yep. the village, villages. But yes, I, I think- I'm liking the idea that you know, basically, one village is all sort of like elfish, all all different races of elves. But yep. effectively, you know, it's sort of like they they've been living a lot longer than the other than the other side, and the other side are kind every of every time like- there's a new queen, <laughs> there's a contingent that crops up. Because, yes, for whatever reason, all of the marriages are very uh, combative. Yep. Because the king's an arsehole, basically. Yeah. So, I like that. You've got almost, like, the 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 families that live a lot longer on the um, on the elf side, and then you've got the all the families that die out really, really quickly yeah. on the other. Yeah. So, basically- But I, I love, then, the idea that, like, in the, in the short-lived town, you've got people in there who's, like- who obviously you know they've gone through six generations or something while one while the the other side has gone through one and so yeah. there are like stories passed down generation to generation about specific people who are still alive yeah uh on the other side um which i i kind of love because i i also kind of like the idea that the the technology is almost going a little bit faster on the side that um people are um, you know, people are dying because people are trying to create things and do something in their lifetime. Whereas mm. on the other side, it's like they live so long that they're like, oh, I'll get to it. And they procrastinate a lot. Like, yeah, I've I got think all that's the time how, in the world. Like, that's definitely like a classic kind of dichotomy there between often it is with humans and, and long lived races or whatever in, in, in fantasy and stuff. But yes, I like that. Definitely giving them these different personality types across, um, the towns. And so how do how do our star crossed lovers meet? Um is there some big battle oh, going and on the, and they're and both this, like hiding this is under a bridge? Actually kind of a bit creepy in the fact that like I think the the um the elf? I don't know whether whether it's a prince or whether it's just a just like a the elf of uh, I like, like I like some, staying some away from mate. that. Yeah. I like yeah, having some of the, the mayor sort of thing um meets like He's only twenty years old in elf elf years, and he meets this um this young maiden. Yeah. Um from from like one of the other races. Yeah. And you know, it's like five hundred years later, or you know, however long it is, and he's now met like an almost exact duplicate of this of this right. maiden. And it's their like great Great granddaughter or something, probably even more great 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 great. You well, know, yeah. so many so many things down. Um, I think one of the things I would like to as see long as happen. It's not his own child. No, 
I think, <laughs> well, because defender. again, elves just procrastinate because they, you know, they they think they've got all the time in the world to get to to get to that. Right. So essentially, like, <laughs> essentially, he ghosted her, thinking, "Oh, I'll call her." You know, I've got to give her a bit of time, otherwise she'll think I'm too keen. And then when he went to find her again, she died like ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and she was eighty something at the time. So he he literally left it stewing. For, you know, X number of years, because yeah. when you've lived so long, it doesn't really, like, time doesn't really matter to you. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like the idea that eventually what he's going to do is he's actually going to give up his long life to to enjoy a life with- mm, Okay. With her. And and then he starts, you know, actually appreciating all, all the world for, for sort of what it is, whereas on the other side, you can sort of see that the animosity is actually from the short-lived races who see the elves that are just wasting their years. If well, they have I those years, they feel I, that, like, they could do so much more. I think with the compounding effect of, you know, verbal communication generation by generation as well, that there's just this deep-seated hatred of that side because all of the things that- They've done, even if they're like small slights or full on wars, you don't know, like they all become these huge things and reasons for this side to, to hate the other side and pass that down. It's literally a 200 fashion. year version of telephone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and they could just go and talk to the people who were literally involved yep. uh, to clear it up. But, you know. Uh, but it, even it, then, like, they're so lazy. They're like, oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it in 20 Yeah, years. well, exactly. They, yeah. Like, okay, oh, I was I, talking about it last week. You talked to my ancestor 300 years ago. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, uh, there's just okay. something about having, having like, because you've had the, the same king throughout all these, all these years of these people. And, of course, for the elves, it's just normal. Like, this is just a term limit sort of thing. You know, <laughs> what's- What's what's the three hundred year? What, term they haven't limit? reached. Yeah, they haven't reached a thousand year term limit. What are you complaining about? Yeah, I mean, before that, I, I remember the previous kick. <laughs> he was a dick. To- <laughs> this guy's way this better. One, this one's way better. He he basically, you know, he he let us have a weekend. The other one didn't. It's the only thing that he's achieved in all this time. It's like you can have one day, and that's the weekend. Yep, and uh, the rest of the time you. Do the they, problem do is elves work? that the way the elves work is one year or one week is a year in other people's <laughs> terms. Like, so they get one day at the end of the end but of the work notice. week. It just feels like a normal time for them. Um, well, I, although I think that's kind of going against because if they're working that whole time, that would feel like they're very productive. Are they just yeah. like? I guess if are they spending you know uh, four months at the water cooler? Discussing yeah. last week's last year's wars. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, li- I like this. I like the setting. I like the general ideas. I like that giving up the long life to appreciate the blah, blah, blah. What sort of game is this? Uh, how are we presenting this to the player? And who are you playing? Um, or is it like switch back and forth, maybe get both perspectives? Yeah. No, I kind of like the idea that you're. You maybe play the um the elf who met met the young maiden and then decided to wait a little bit longer just in the prologue and that sort of stuff and now it's like two hundred years later or whatever. <laughs> I like giving the player that option. Um, of like you show them meeting the 
the other person and, you know, they have a great time. You sort of show that off and then let's go back and you give them the option of like, call them or wait. Uh, and if they choose wait, then it's like, no, they're dead. You wait until- and if you could cho- choose call them, you, wa- like- you, you choose to wait a, a reasonable time. In elf time, that's 200 years. Yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, I guess you'll just have to wait until you find someone else. If, if you do choose to call them, then you do go to, like, find them. But uh, your, your best mate, like, grabs you and just wants to have a bit of a chin wag. And then they're dead. Uh, they took too long. <laughs> um, so it, it was, it was a 40-year chin wag. That's okay. Yeah. That's- yeah, just like a quick nothing. chat. Just a quick chat. Um. So I'm I'm thinking the type of game is is actually like a um it's actually like a what's it called uh adventure game mm-hmm. but effectively every action that you do until you meet up with this person like an action that you do could take a day like time passes yeah time You're passes choosing, yeah and I'm just imagining that you're talking to these to these people who don't sort of um live as long as you do. And you're sort of telling them to do something and then you come back and it's like they've aged up quite a fair bit. Like they, they seem but they to just did move build that fast. wall. They did build that wall you asked them to build. Uh, and now it's really overgrown. Quickly. It's overgrown and it's falling to pieces. So like what shoddy work? Um, when actually like they built a really solid wall and it lasted for two and a half to 150 years and then fell down. But you just, you didn't check in on that time. <laughs> <laughs> You're procrastinating for two hundred of those years. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, um, I'll check it tomorrow. I'm I'm kind of wondering whether to people who are moving really, really, um, like who age a lot faster. Well, you know, go have a lot shorter lifespans. Whether to them the the elves almost look stone like. Interesting. Like they move so slow. That's how they. So live. how That's do how they live so long? How do um. I know it's kind of taking it a different a different way. Well, I was just like, how do they have that relationship then? When, like, maybe when this when this you know mayor's son or whatever meets up with his girl, like, or it, with his partner, you know, time seems just like they seem to actually be able to collate, uh, talk in the same time, mm. and then when he disconnects, like, you know, everything moves moves fine for him, but you know, she just instantly She's sort of grows. Older quickly and all this sort of stuff. I don't know. There's something that you could do there, and yeah, maybe she like maybe so many different ideas. Maybe they're basically pen pals. For him, it's like one conversation. The like, as soon as he finishes talking, he like waits a second, and there's another note there. But she's coming back like a week later to yeah. see what he's written and and uh, and replying. So she's having this relationship with him over years and years, and for him, it's like. One conversation. Yeah. Um, that's just gone well off the rails. Ben, what are your last three words for the day? Unlatch. Astronomy drivers. Astronomy drivers. So, is the only way that Google Maps works in this world by the constellations so that you're having to actually drive drive based off based off of, like, um, okay, <laughs> You got you got to go towards the Southern Cross for X number of <laughs> kilometers, and then you <laughs> just completely star-driven navigation. Yep. Um, I was I, I was thinking maybe because I saw astronomy, and obviously that's uh, I mean the study of of space, but maybe I was thinking of setting it in space because then Unlatch has 
more some really horrible, horrible of- connotations of I'm going to unlatch the um, the airlock. Would you like to step inside? Yeah, well, something around that. So maybe you're on like a space telescope of some sort, um, as in like an orbiting telescope that's that's there to study you know, deep space. Um, <laughs> My mind just went through instead of the Hubble telescope, it went to the Humble Telescope, because it's sponsored by Humble Bundle. <laughs> the Humble Bundles have got so popular, they've raised so much money, that they sponsored the construction of a new telescope, uh, and all their ads are now like, discover new planets worth of gameplay with our nine games this month. I feel like we've done too many games set like on a space station where weird shit happens, so maybe we go a bit more- arcadey with this or something like is this around like driving different parts of the telescope around the orbit to like connect them up and latch them on or unlatch them like having different sort of segments of a space station uh that do different things and you have to connect them up in different ways or something yeah um i'm just trying to see how that would actually uh work in a in a sense I don't know. <laughs> oh, maybe it's a bit of like, maybe it's that uh, regular human basketball lovers in a dangerous space time style thing where you're moving these chunks of space station around in some sort of coordinated fashion where you have to like press the buttons to to move them and um, and you're trying to like you're trying to essentially construct a full space station, but yeah. You, if you don't get to the thrusters fast enough, then they're gonna, it's gonna like start burning up because, okay. because it's losing its orbit and that sort of thing. So when, when you do this and you're basically, you're trying to like connect, connect enough stuff up to get the telescope into the right position to then therefore be able to hit the constellation. Something like that. Yeah. You could have multiple goals. That could just be one of the goals, but yeah. But then when you, when you see it from down on earth and you see enough points that are actually, you know, almost make a constellation that is now visible from Earth because it's now a, a space okay. station that sort of goes The space station the- itself is in the right position to be a constellation. Is that what you mean? Yeah. It, it's basically your power points along, along the way that sort of make up, like, bright enough points that people on the, on the planet mm. think that it's actually a new star that's actually turned up. So, okay. So, are you trying to, like- <laughs> um, uh, Influence the people on the planet by yeah, creating I think, I think new could, constellations. Could a, um, well, it could be an adverse effect in in the fact that you know you've you've come here to analyze the planet, but also sort of see what what um, what sort of star systems you can sort of see from here, and are there any bright bright stars that actually show up as constellations, sort of things that, and you've got kind of like a a first contact sort of thing happening down on the planet mm-hmm. at the same time. I do like the idea of the first contact thing where I, I'm kind of picturing it as you have the whole, you have the main game, which is like building the space station and you're controlling the pieces to get into position. And, you know, they're going to end up in some wacky configurations, right? Oh, yeah. And then once you're done, yeah, now you see it from the people, like the, um, aliens perspective essentially on this planet looking up and seeing this new thing in their sky and going ooh and like I don't know use some nice AI to make a shape out of it 
like to uh-huh. to to map it to the shape of an animal or something. It's like you created the oh, a major meerkat, <laughs> the meerkat constellation. They called it the meerkat constellation. Congratulations. They call this one the bear ass because it looks like two cheeks. <laughs> they call this one Professor Whiskers. Meow. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. They call this one Man Man. <laughs> it's just a man we murdered. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's something fun there with, like, building space stations from inside and having to connect them up. Mm-hmm. Hit the button to, like, put the airlock out to connect to the other bits and just wherever it connects, you end up having these. You just- I'm I just loving the idea of the, the final product of these things being this fucking mishmash of different pieces. But if it works, it works. And what what it's all about is is being able to get that slight, slightly different position for the um, for the telescope in this case. Well, um, yeah, I think I think you're just having to. Yeah, you've got a goal, or you've got a goal of each one, and it's it's how you can maneuver these pieces into place to yeah whether it's the telescope has to be pointing in the right direction or able to point in the right direction because it's like oh we attached the booster rocket module onto the space station but it was at a weird angle so we can't actually like line it up without putting another one on the other side or something oh uh, yeah if you put it there then the stress is too great and it just snaps off yeah yeah you put them at <laughs> yeah exactly you put them at like opposite uh stress points or whatever that's cool yeah I think that's about it. All right. So I think we'll finish it up there tonight. If you want to find us online, you can go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm and uh, check out all our previous episodes. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, do that. Also, we'd like to thank Kuridos for the use of the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. Knock, knock, knock. Who's there? It's the Huntsman. <gasps> With my bicocket. <laughs> <laughs>